to the Two Track Mind Garden, uh, and it's a it's a real festival atmosphere here tonight. Over on the uh, the sandpit stage over there, we've got the Young Knife. About to start. <laughs> the um, sandpit stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over in the uh, the rockery, you've got um, the Kings of Leon getting uh, warmed up for a uh, for an acoustic set, and obviously we've got the pop punk stage with all the teeny boppers on the trampoline oh very good <laughs> um i'm guessing new fan glory there if uh, if you don't know, know what the hell we're talking about um we made a reference at the beginning of uh, the last episode about the fact that we're recording in le jardin le jardin like French, to have I fun think. in le jardin <laughs> it's really very nice in le jardin <laughs> um because obviously we're not allowed to be indoors right now, so this is the uh, the best option that we've got. Well, it's worked all right. It was, I know. liked it last week. Yeah. It was lovely having you around. Um, it's nice to be back. Thanks I've for having me. I've cleaned the garden for you. I've hoovered the artificial grass for you. <laughs> wow. You can see the stripes, can't you, where I've gone back and forth with the hoover. Yeah. It, as you said, it looks like uh, Wembley. Pitch. Yeah, Wembley. football pitch. Mm. And we um, have got a goal there. Who's on the goal stage? Um, reef. Reef, their headlights. So the goal stage is more of a retro vibe. Yeah. Top loader. Eat eat my goal stage. It's like Um, 90s. Eat my goal. Eat my goal. Yeah. So Um, it's all the TFI Friday bands. Yeah. Bands that might have been on the Euro 96 soundtrack or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Is. um, Who's. uh, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the two DJs. Thingy and Large. Who were they? Little and Large. Little. How the fuck have I forgotten that? Remember that, um, remember that superhero? He got bit by a spider and he was mad. <laughs> yeah, very good. Very <laughs> Sorry, good. in joke. Um, yeah, little and large. They're they're commentating on the uh, the Euro '96 stage quality. Now, although that's all bullshit, we do actually have a guest today joining us. He's just finished doing a impromptu uh, poetry set over on the uh, Tarmac Drive stage. Uh, it's <laughs> John Crossgrove from uh, Pickle Dick and Mike TV fame. Although some of you may know him from Tattoo Fixers or uh, Come Down With Me. Yeah, or from Running, from Cricket, Marmalade Pope, his love of the word, um, the C word. Yeah. Um, won't say it because then we do have to actually put, I think that word, you have to actually warn people. Well, this is a pre-recorded interview. I'm pretty sure he did say the C word. All right. So if you if you, if you you don't like the C word, um, be prepared. Yeah, we recorded it uh, a little while ago, but um, due to some internet, inter, internet issues over in where John lives, he lives out in the sticks, um, took a little bit of a while for you I, I take no credit for it uh, for Liam to tidy up so thanks for doing that that's alright I joke uh, that this is a conversation that didn't happen <laughs> it's been stitched together no it wasn't quite as bad as that um, yeah I, you probably won't even notice it so if, you know you shared the trade secrets there but um, you um, you will find this to be a lovely audible experience and if you don't then you know who to blame. It's John's fault. <laughs> but yeah, if you're if you're you're looking forward to hearing him, he comes out with some great stuff. And I think you and I, weirdly, of all the people we like musically, he was genuinely one of the first names we both settled on because of we are a DIY podcast. You and I do this from a love of music that stems back twenty twenty five years. We did the band thing. We it was all do it yourself. Very much you, to be fair. Uh, I was just there as <laughs> all this credit. I'm I was there probably. as looks and vocals. Um, but um, and obviously pickled dick as we knew them when we first got into them, and then what became Mike TV also had a DIY sort of ethos. So he was. We really wanted to pick his brains because we felt like if they were 
one level, we were maybe just a couple of rungs on the ladder below them. Yeah, but you know what? Um, there's a lot of things that we kind of um, inherited in a way from um, John because he, I, I don't know whether he worked for Phantom Screen Print or whether they just used to um, get their T-shirts from them and maybe he told us about this. But that's who we used to use for our T-shirts yeah, for yeah, many yeah. years. And we always did pretty well on T-shirts because they were a good supplier. It was a you know a reasonable cost. And we used to sell the T-shirts at cost just to recover. Yeah. Whereas like some... Stupid, some, really, because we always sold out, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some bands might have uh, charged a little bit more and perhaps were left with the stock, but we, we used to turn them over pretty quickly. But that was a that was a John recommendation, that was. So, yeah, I'm sure there's lots of things that we learned from them as a band. Uh, and you'll, you'll certainly learn a few things in this... Um, yeah, some things that perhaps I didn't know or didn't appreciate about... And um, it, it gets a bit John. deep at times, but I think he's yeah. a, John is... If you follow him on... Um, instagram and if in the in the notes we'll link his socials he's a very honest chap when it comes to mental health how he's feeling how others are feeling um and i think you you get that from this chat it was a lovely chat we had a great even with these sort of connect connection issues it was really lovely and definitely someone who we want to go and hang out with and do a part two because I'm, there's we've touched the surface with John Consgrove there's plenty more to come but you know I had a lovely evening you did um, listening yeah it was yeah, great listening. <laughs> I, I, so I lead the chat with this one guys because purely because of the freeway split and the connection if you, issues it was we sort of preempted the free people chatting and in the end we ended up losing video didn't we completely mm-hmm. to try and make it flow a bit quicker so yeah i lead the, the chat with this one which was um daunting to say the least because it's not something i'm totally used to um but yeah i it was a, it was a great chat and i really hope you all enjoy it here we go here's john I was actually um, I was listening to your um, running punks playlist to get me in the mood for this. Oh, thanks, Ed. <laughs> which I thought was uh, it's a lot of tracks. Yeah, I know. Did you did you um did you put them in that order, or did you literally just pick them? I I kind of put them in that order because I wanted it to be like a weird mix of kind of everything that's in like all the different types of kind of music I liked. Like obviously there was a lot of like punk rock and stuff like that, but there was some pop pop stuff, just good songs from all like the best bands that I kind of like, really. Yeah, just a bit weird, a bit different. But people seem to really like the playlist, so that's really good. Well, no, I did because I, to be honest, Mike, because I know you're a massive Wild Hearts fan, and my sort of I know them from when I was reading Kerrang and and you know Ginger Wild Heart and all that. But I've never really sat down and listened to an album. But that first track is massive. It's an absolute banger. Yeah. Yeah, it's an absolute banger. I want to go where the people go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, but it's almost like a poppy rock track. It could be. It could be. I don't know. It's got this like pop element to it, which makes it really sort of listenable, I suppose. Yeah, the Wild Hearts are like Wild Hearts are one of my two favorite bands, I'd say, and their output has been slightly eclectic. They, I mean, Ginger is such a uh, enigmatic uh, human being and songwriter. He writes like amazing kind of pop songs, and then they did like. uh, an album called Endless Nameless, which I think was their third studio album, fourth studio album maybe. And it was, yeah, it was like 
had like it was pretty much I couldn't listen to it it was kind of like had industrial kind of overtones over it and it was just like loads of feedback and everything like that so it was a it was it was a bit weird <laughs> but they, they've he's always varied his output and across all his musical stuff is this what you've always listened to or did you sort of find it like a lot of people do like teenager you want to rebel and then suddenly you find like the punky rockier stuff or did like were your parents sort of listening to the heavier stuff or? Yeah, it's it weird. My dad always like, my dad was a big, uh, my dad's Irish. So he used to play in like bands when he was young. Um, I've, I think it, it oh, was nice. very loosely he played in bands, but he mainly did drinking, I think, and trying to probably copulate with females um, uh, as far as I can tell. But he does tell fantastic stories about how he played with uh, Phil Linnett from Thin Lizzy and Rory Gallagher, the famous Irish blues wow. guitarist. But is it true? Is it true? He told me he did a marathon the other day, so I don't know whether anything he says is true. But um, it, it it could be all in his head. It could be a dream. It could it could be reality. But me, my music kind of thing. I suppose it first started off with my dad. He making me listen to Thin Lizzy and then the Beatles. But he preferred the Rolling Stones. But I preferred like Beatles and stuff. And then I suppose when I was really young, when I got into like music, maybe like. I think the Wild Hearts were probably like one of the first bands I got into. I must have been about eleven or twelve, but I just really just like I just really got into music really young and yeah. Did your dad give you a guitar pretty early on, or, or? yeah? I think I probably got a guitar. No, probably not until I was about fifteen. I don't think I got a guitar. Um, I still haven't learned how to play it, but the, every guitar they bought me never had instructions on the back. So I kind of struggled with it really. So yeah, the, the, unfortunately a guitar isn't like a microwave meal, is it? It's, um, you can't just sort of no. turn it over and read the instructions and suddenly you're a pro. Um, was Pickle Dick the first sort of band you were in or with some of the members of the band, were you in pre, were you in bands before that or doing your own thing? Oh yeah. yeah. I I basically started playing guitar when I was 15, didn't really play it very well, but just liked the, loved the thought of being in a band. And I was really into uh, drinking and smoking and all the kind of rock and roll excesses, even quite young when I went to college. And I was in an indie band for a little bit. And then I left to join a, a ska band oh, nice. called the Ballpoint Pens. And then uh, we broke up and turned into Pickled Dick. Um, and Pickled Dick, I think, played its first gig Oh, I'm going to say 1999. So oh, I might be I might be wrong on that. Might be 1999, 2000. So it was a long time ago. But we were very young then, like 18, 19. And uh, yeah, that's where it kind of started. Oh, nice. Yeah, well, I, I was, before um, I joined the band that Liam was in, uh, I was in a ska band for a bit. It was, it was, a, it was good fun. Um, being brutally honest to Liam, I probably would have preferred that to have got big than the the band I then joined, which did sort of go on tours. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Musically, the Scar Band was way better. You know, it was... (laughs) (laughs) I'm really saying that just to to annoy Liam slightly. But um, so with Pickle Dick, obviously the sort of... The bands go through stages, don't they? You you, You play to your mates and you're playing to like no one and you're on ticket deals. How quickly did you start gaining traction where you were going on tour? Because there was a point when you guys were, you were getting a lot of tour supports. Like I've seen you, Mr. Smith's, um, the Nexus, uh, 
all over the place, really. You, you, were, you were quite a staple of the sort of DIY punk scene at one stage. Was that How quick did that sort of happen for you guys? I think I think it kind of started kicking off. We started started with the band, as you say, playing like living rooms, play some punk rock shows, try and get on anywhere you can. I put on a lot of shows myself, so made friends with other bands, um, which was a great way to meet other bands and other other punks. Uh, I'd say probably about like we started playing like local shows and stuff like that. But I'd say about two thousand and four when we recorded our first album, Pandemonium. Um, yeah, I think we started touring a bit more around then and doing more stuff then and getting getting more shows and stuff. I suppose because not many bands are doing like three-part harmony kind of pop punk in that kind of up, like old Green Day style. So it was, I suppose it was kind of different to what was going on. Um, so, yeah, we were, we were lucky. We got on quite a few shows. We like I think we played with me first in Gimme Gimme's uh, in 2007, something like that. And... Then obviously we did the big name change and changed over to Mike TV, which meant that we lost a bit of uh, traction with the band and started started probably taking ourselves a little bit too seriously, in my opinion. Do you so you you thinking back to when was it like two thousand and eight? You did the the name change. Do, is that something you do? You regret it though, because obviously Pickle Dick to me, like I don't know. I never, I never took it as like an offensive name. I just took it for what it was. It was a. It's weird, isn't it, with swear words in, in, in names. If the, if you're just if it's a name of something, it was. It's almost a case. So I would say like, oh, I'm off to see Pickle Dick tonight, and it never bothered me. I don't think my mum would have ever have said, oh, don't say that, you know. So you, so it was a conscious thing. Like we're gonna go that. We're gonna try the next level. I think we need to change the name to. to and obviously, you all agreed on Mike TV. Yeah, I, yeah, you, you're right there, really, in, in that summary. We kind of, yeah, Pickle Dick was a little bit cheeky, a little bit like, you know, just kind of immature, kind of silly, and lots of people hated the name. And I suppose we were quite sensitive to it and being in, um, wanting to do the band full-time and push on and Dom being quite keen on, like, developing his songwriting. Dom was the singer and bassist and songwriter. He was very keen to change the name. And so, and so was our drummer at the time, but... I really wasn't. I was just like, oh, we've, we're doing quite well as Pickle Dick. We're doing all right. People like us. And yeah, um, with with hindsight, I don't think we should have changed it. But it did help us go on tour, like in we went around China as Mike TV. And we got the out, uh, both Mike TV albums got released in Japan. Maybe that might have been harder with Pickle Dick. Uh, excuse the innuendo. Um, but I, I don't know. I can't really say. But I wish we hadn't changed it because I think it set us back like two or three years because then we had to build up again as Mike TV and we started taking ourselves a bit too seriously. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of regret it. I personally regret it and wish that we'd stuck with Pickled Dick. Yeah, um, is how I feel. You mentioned that you were going for this this early Green Day vibe. Um, and I, I totally, I've, I wrote down, you know, that that was what I was getting from... Um, especially that like Pandemonium album, it was sort of like you were you were channeling sort of I don't know surfy sort of skate punk, uh, and obviously you had um, Dom Thumb who was just the most phenomenal bassist for a local you know if you want to put yourself for a DIY punk band you know and and you say you didn't know how to play guitar you were your your chord progression wasn't standard you know what you're playing is is fast and you had a hell of a lot of energy on stage you you must 
you know, you must rate yourself better than average on guitar. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I'm quite self. I've, I suppose what, with punk rock, we're always quite self-deprecating. I've always found it hard to say nice things about myself. But uh, yeah, looking back on it, yeah, I was okay at the guitar. Uh, I was in the band because I was very good at showing off. I was very good at um, doing the driving. I had the van. I sorted out all the merch <laughs> um, and did, did the odd joke. Um, I'd like to apologise for all those to anyone who's there at our gigs. Um, all three of you. See, self-deprecating. See, it's really hard Like, find, when someone says a compliment to me or, do you know what I mean? It's just, I suppose it's a punk rock thing to be like, nah, I'm shit. <laughs> but I had a good time. You were almost, I know you didn't do uh, the same amount of vocals as, um, as Dom, you know, but you you were like almost like a second front man because you did a lot of the the sort of the banter in between. I, I'm not keen on the word banter, but it works in this scenario. Um, yeah, and you were like the chatter, you know, and and, and like you say, the the three part harmonies. You could you could hold a tune. Like, have you ever thought of front in a band? Yeah, well, I, it's something that I've been thinking about the last two or three months. Like, I never really had much. I'm. A, it's really hard to explain, but I suppose when I was in the band in Pickle Dick Mike TV, I was a bit immature, maybe a bit emotionally insecure, didn't understand my emotions, didn't understand who I was or what I was doing. I knew that I liked playing punk rock and I liked jumping around and showing off. But now I'm like nearly uh, 29 plus 10, nearly 29 plus 11. Um, it's, <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a different person. So I think I could come back, do some sort of music related thing, but have a bit actual self-confidence rather than that kind of punk rock bravado and bluster which I probably used to have so yeah I'd really like to like uh just run around at a gig and just do some singing and some showing off so I'm hoping to form like a, a running themed punk rock band uh at some point over the next few months lockdowns and life and time allowing I'd really like to do that yeah something creative anyway have you started writing any lyrics for that sort of based on on running or are you kind of bit yeah yeah i've written like three songs i think um so three kind of rough songs uh yeah it's just for fun. it's just gonna be fun i just like I've, i found a pickle dick and white tv like because of our personalities and because of like trying to t take the band a bit too seriously at some points that maybe some of the fun point and the fun element kind of got lost um and I think that the reason why I was in a band because it was supposed to be fun. Um, and that's what I'd say to anyone who's in a band now. It's just like, especially if you're in your twenties and early thirties and like, you might not be doing that being in a punk rock band forever. So just make sure you have as much fucking fun as possible and enjoy each day and each gig. And then just worry about the future when it's the fucking future. So on that note of having fun, if we go back, um, mm because I don't want to skip too much. If we go back to like Pickle Dick, what was the, so you're doing local shows. What was the first tour you went on? Was it, was it just chasing shows uh, like you do or messaging bands saying, I can do a gig swap in my local venue if you can. How was it, or were you given a tour? How did you, how did Pickle Dick first go on tour? That's a really good question, actually. Like Dom is, our singer was so much better at remembering all this stuff. Um, I think too many late nights driving uh, has ruined my memory. But yeah, we did kind of, I, we did the kind of thing. What bands did at the time was like we'd 
go to somewhere and just play a one-off or two shows in a row then come back and then build ourselves up and then we built our first tours I think like our first ever tours were with like um, a couple of local bands from around here like Blame It On Ed and people like that and we did like just like a week tour or something like that I think and then we kind of I started booking our own kind of DIY tours our first year of touring was in a Vauxhall Nova which was really hard work and then I got a van and then I think our first kind of one of our first big proper tours um I can't remember we did we did a little bit of touring as Pickled Dick with our old drummer Mark and then when our new drummer Nick joined we went on tour with Adequate Seven and that was probably our biggest kind of tour our first big tour and that was like two or three weeks so that opened up our eyes a bit more that was our first kind of like real big one I think how did, did was that just by like playing shows with the adequate seven guys? Because I when did they split? Like that's got to be a while ago. Liam would know this straight away because we at, Liam and I actually went to the last ever gig in Cardiff. Um, I was Harman there too. To say two thousand and seven. Yeah. Oh, were you? <laughs> I was there. Yeah, because they obviously I was mates of them. Well, yeah, it was. Um, I think get Cape where Cape fly. Uh, Sam Duckworth played. Cap down played. Um, but it was it, that was a wicked gig. Um, Captain Everything played because they gave me a lift, so I got a lift of Captain Everything right. from London. Got down there, got so drunk that I ended up staying at one of Adequate Seven's house, and then woke up the next morning in Cardiff with no lift home, no money, and I had to call my dad and be like, uh, "Dad, can I uh, borrow some money to get home, please?" <laughs> so yeah. Oh God! So you you had you had to do that phone call. Yeah, I had to do that phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, I'm not too punk rock to admit that. Uh, yeah, my parents had to help me that day. <laughs> the train home of shame. The train of shame. That's it. That's it. We've all done it, especially <laughs> after gigs. Um, Liam and I, you know, we didn't reach the same level of success that Pickle Dick Mike TV did. We were sort of, we were going to have, we got to a point where we were going to have to make that decision on what we did. We'd had a couple of decent tour supports. Um, and then we sort of, we would in the latter half of the year, we would build a few of the venues that we did well in and make our own sort of mini tour. But we, we definitely sort of, it sounds like you took the next step where you buy the van. Like we borrowed a, um, a Ford galaxy and then we did one tour in a Mazda bongo. But you, you guys took that next step, which a lot of bands are so, you know, frightened to do. Was it? Did you go full time? Was it? Was it a big decision? I think like around when when we changed our name to kind of Mike TV, we did go full time for like a couple of years. And we'd just have like crappy part time jobs when we went home and stuff. Maybe a bit longer, two or three years, something like that. So I don't know whether it was a conscious decision or I, th- I think we pro- probably Dom and I sat down and went, yeah, let's just do this. Like if we're changing our name and taking ourselves a bit more seriously, then we might as well go for it, really. Um, yeah, and I got a van after a year of driving when I was probably about 24. So that just kind of made all the difference. But it also helped because it meant I could drive other bands and earn a few quid when um, I wasn't on tour with my band. And obviously you made, you guys made a lot of friends on the scene because I know you had um, the guys in Sonic Boom 6 help you out on the Mike TV album, didn't you? Yes, yeah, yeah, Sonic Boom Six still still stay in touch with them. Barney and Layla in, in particular, 
Um, yeah, they were really lovely. They took us out on a three week tour in, oh my God, probably about 2006, 2007 ish, 2008, something like that. Um, yes. Um, yeah. And they, yeah, they did some group vocals on our album and yeah, I mean, we were really lucky with the punk rock scene because like everyone was so nice and the DIY punk rock scene, there were so many cool bands. We made so many friends out of it who are still stay in touch with now. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty cool, really. We were lucky. We were lucky to be part of something like that. Well, yeah, we're we're quite, you know, we've got a few names in the sort of in the hat, as it were, that we can sort of call upon a few favors. I've often, you know, I I joked with you the other day that um, sort of I haven't played, a, haven't been in a band for a while now, and I sort of went out the way I came in, playing to fifteen people in a in a grotty venue. I've often thought about sort of trying to start something, but I just, I don't, for me, I don't know what sound that I would be going for now. Like, I don't know if I'd want to go, you know, just screw it all and go, yeah, I'm just going to do straight up punk or go a bit more like melodic. I, and obviously we mentioned you're running punk's playlist. You've got such a diverse sort of interest in music. Have you thought about what you're running uh, your sort of, the run-based punk band? Is it going to be a punk band? Is it going to be sort of a rock band? Are we? Are you going to go even heavier and shove some licks in it and make it a metal band? Uh, I don't know, a bit of everything, actually. Um, I, I haven't really thought about it. It's, it's so weird because it's such like a weird kind of like pipe dream in my head. It kind of feels weird talking about it, but I do want to make it happen. I've sorted out a whole band of musicians. Um, I'm just hoping that it'll, at some point, like post lockdown and stuff like that we can get together and like do do something but i think it would be in like the style of kind of like pretty similar kind of pop that kind of pop punk that pickle dick mike tv played just the songs wouldn't be as good because dom is like dom from pickle dick mike tv was a very 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 good songwriter and unfortunately he's had his demons with like alcohol and drugs and depression and stuff like that um but if it wasn't for that he'd be like I'm sure he'd be writing millions of songs. He probably still is writing millions of millions of songs, but uh, maybe I'll get him to write all the songs for my band and uh, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll credit him. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be kind of punk rocky, definitely. Is he a runner though? Because sure, surely no. with your experience in running now and obviously you've got, you've got to live the dream if you're writing the songs, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. No, Dom's not into running or anything like that, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I haven't actually seen him for a few months now. Uh, yeah, I I don't really know what he's. I think he's just working and keeping his head down, um, and trying to stay out of uh, the way of uh, trouble. Any intox, yeah, intoxicating substances. But I hope he's okay. He's a good boy. The thing is, it's 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 easily done, especially when you're touring and you know the people you meet and the situations you're thrown into. It's 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 a it's a tricky one. Um, you know, obviously, I, I see. I see you on Instagram, and you're sort of, you know, you're you're, you've become like an advocate for mental health almost. You're you're a voice of of the people. It seems like you've got quite a few. I do. This is very much a music based podcast, but for uh, I think a lot of our listeners know that I'm a runner, and uh, mm. but and you're a, you're you're a very keen runner. So like, obviously, running is. Have you found that running has helped? any demons that you might have once had? Yeah, that's a good question, Ed. Yeah, I, th- I, I think so, totally. I mean, when when the band stopped doing... We haven't played a gig since 2015, 
and I felt maybe I I started playing cricket a few years before that because cricket is really punk rock and I enjoyed it but I was pretty crap at cricket to be fair but I enjoyed just being outside in the sun hanging out with my mates going for a few beers afterwards um but then I found running and I was like oh I'm actually okay at this oh I don't need to be I don't need to turn up and be part of a team uh I can just do this on my own when I feel like it uh yeah, and I really it really kind of connected with me, and I suppose it just that post run endorphins and stuff are something that I still thrive upon to this day, and it they do make you it does make you feel better. It's like you never really regret a run, do you? Even like if it's a crappy run and you feel terrible, at least you've gone out and done it. So yeah, running has improved my mental health by about a zillion times. Uh, I I couldn't even I couldn't even say how much it's changed my life, but also we've talked about them earlier the running punks is a great kind of uh link into all of this because they were set up by a couple of lads in wales and obviously it's trying to get people who are into music like more into running and looking after themselves and bands and touring bands and everyone just getting involved in running and just yeah just a bit of a healthier way of living do you know what i mean well yeah yeah i could i know i'm currently sort of I'm on. I'm nearly at a month, uh, no running because I've got water on my knee, and I know that I am. I'm shorter with with my two boys and my wife. You know, luckily they give me a bit of leeway because they know that <laughs> I'm sort of carrying this injury. But I'm I'm like definitely more frustrated. Um, mm. Ed, I'm sorry to hear that. It's it's so annoying. Well, yeah, because I think like my music listening is down due to lack of mm. running because i do tend to take my headphones out and whack on an album or or you know your your playlist that you've done for the running punks uh guys because obviously you're an ambassador there um mm. but you also touched on the fact that you're you've taken up you took up cricket and uh yeah. you could drop in so many things that you've sort of you've done really and this is sort yeah. of like going away from the band thing but you've with running you've you've ran a few marathons now dressed as a broccoli. Um, yeah. You're a cricketer. You've released a rap hip hop single for lack of a better term as marmalade Pope. You know, <laughs> you've, you were on tattoo fixes, weren't you? This isn't a memory of mine, is it? You've been on tattoo fixes as well. Yeah. Tattoo fixes. Yeah. Come dine with me, which you're obviously quite famous for. That was a, that was a big one. Yeah. Is there anything you did? Is there anything you haven't done, John? I like to think that I've tried a little bit of everything and just done it, done everything badly. And then I found running and I was like, oh, I'm okay at running. So, oh, that's good. That makes up for everything else that I was shit at. Uh, but no, I, I, yeah, I've, I've kind of tried to... Sh I think that my biggest skill in life is that I'm a massive show-off. So I've kind of used that, my showing-off skills to uh, have a go at everything. I did a, a pilot for a TV show. I uh, played a comic book co co comic book shop owner in a tiny little british film um yeah i just had a go at everything really going on the tv i did stand-up comedy which i was terrible at um but it was, it was they're oh, all experiences that, yeah they're all experiences that have made me into the person i am today <laughs> well you the thing is you can't no one could say oh how do you know because you just turn around and go <laughs> I tried it, Nate, you know, <laughs> you know, well, how would you know what I'm talking about? Trust me. I've, I've done that, did that in 2007, did that in 2011. Um, yeah. And obviously yeah, did, a 
did a radio show as well, which was really fun. Well, yeah, that's, you know, this is, this is basically how the podcast formed. We were like, Liam and I, um, we chat music every day, every single day. Mm. I, I, I message him something and it could be music related. It could just be friendly, but most of the time it's something. Have you heard this song? Did you know this? And we just decided we were like, Christ, let's just start recording it because it would be so much easier if we didn't have just a list of crap. And all we did was sat down for an hour and a half and just created a podcast. Um, I don't want to take away from ours, but have you considered doing a podcast? Because that isn't currently on your resume. No, it isn't. But that's a really good question, Ed. And I have. Yeah, I've been thinking about it for the last few months. I've just... uh... Yeah, it's on the to-do list because obviously I'd like to do some more creative kind of showy-offy kind of things as well as doing my running because I like talking, I like, yeah, talking and showing off. Um, So I would love to do a podcast. I've got a rough idea. Um, I've just had to work out how to do it and to actually do it. We're sort of jumping around, but that's fine, you know. If people want to follow it, they don't, you know. You changed the name to Mike TV in 2008 and then – did you go to China twice? I know there's the um, or did or was it just 2010 with with the uh, that you did sort of like the headline shows when you and there's that wicked sort of YouTube video of the the tour diaries where you are at one point <laughs> stood <laughs> calling a guy on a train a cunt because he's pushed in front of some women who are waiting to use the loo. Is is that the only time you went to China? <laughs> I remember that. I was so I was thinking I'm not I wasn't even being passive aggressive there. I was probably really hung over and just being straight up aggressive. And I think someone explained to me afterwards that it was something to do with local Chinese culture and I didn't need to be standing there shouting at a man and calling him a cunt. So uh <laughs> it just it just <laughs> highlights it just highlights how much I've changed over the last 10 12 years. Um but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to China twice in 2009 and 2010, I think we went. Uh, yes, in 2009 we played at like MIDI Festival and played on the main stage and we, we were out there for like a month and then the year afterwards we went for three weeks. Wow. Mm. So what, what was that like the first time you went out just playing festivals? Oh man, it was insane. It was like, like never experienced anything like that in my life. Um, especially because I'd hardly been on a plane even before. Like I'd only been to like Spain and I think I'd been to Spain and Cyprus and that was it. And then suddenly we got like, we had some money saved and we got offered a tour in China. So we booked our flights, went out to China and the first show was in a place called Dalian, which is up near Korea. And we got uh-huh. there we got there there's all the back line everything's there waiting for us we're like okay cool um we'll just go go out and get some food thinking that there'd be no one there when we came back we came back and the whole room was packed and everyone just went ape shit the whole fucking time and the, the whole tour was like that all the gigs were like really big and really we went to all around china and it was like going to a different country every time we did all these internal flights um it was a really it was like it was like travel but playing punk rock shows and yeah just meeting lots of people from but obviously because china's so big and there's so many different kind of ethnicities within china everyone it was just going to, it was just meeting it was just crazy it was like going to a different country every day um but it was an amazing experience and then we played some festivals and 
yeah, we did the same thing the year afterwards. And yeah, it, it was, it was a really amazing experience. And I'd probably say that was probably the best thing we did at the band, really. Did you recognise any of the bands that were sort of at the festivals? Obviously not at maybe the the gigs. You're not rocking up and seeing like Howard's Alias as, to, as support in <laughs> deepest China. But you, when you got to the festivals, are you seeing bands that you sort of um, that you knew? Like were the were the headliners big, or was it was it made up of sort of I guess bands of similar stature to you? No, it was kind of weird because like bands don't go and tour China really. Um, at one of the festivals, there was an American pop punk band called Army of Freshmen, who we played with over here as well. With um, before, oh so yeah, we we, we supported them. Oh, there we go. We, yeah, we played with that. We played with them a couple of times in China, um, and the but it was mainly lots of just Chinese bands and uh, a few European bands, like European hardcore bands, like uh, the Chinese. I, I don't know what uh, what they're like now, but um, there was like a massive kind of scene for like hardcore and punk rock. So you'd get like. We were playing with like Norwegian, like hardcore bands, um, and yeah, but there wasn't like massive bands. We weren't going out there and like playing with like really big bands from over here. We played with like the Chinese version of Iron Maiden. They weren't like a Chinese Iron Maiden uh, covers band. Oh, they wow. were just like the same stature. Um, yeah, and we were really late to get a bus with them, and it was quite rock and roll. So we had these huge Chinese rock stars waiting on a bus for like four fucked up hungover idiots turning up and yeah making them late for this massive festival in china no <laughs> yeah yeah it's pretty silly i know you had a guide on the um in 2010 but did you have a guide for the 2009 tour as well yeah we did yeah basically the guy who booked the whole tour looked after us for um the time we were there uh, both tours was a guy called paul huang um from beijing and he ran this a little record label called Hot Pot Records. And we just, I, when we recorded the first Mike TV album, I sent it out to him and he was like, I'll book you a tour. And we're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, and yeah, he booked us a tour. And we, we got there and it, it was just insane. It was an insane month. Um, he probably hated us by the end of the month. He was always saying, you English, you're so stupid. You're so stupid. You ask, you ask so many questions. You always ask me where I get food from. You always ask me, can I have a beer? You always ask me about the show. Just shut up. Leave it to me. <laughs> so yeah, he he had to deal with a lot of shit. I think that's but he, so he, funny. I've got him tattooed on my leg now. So uh, he was my first tattoo as well. So um, he's there forever. What? So the, 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 your first tattoo. <laughs> Yeah. was off this guy yeah Paul Quang <laughs> and, and with his catchphrases because uh, he'd always say to us my, my TV whatever you do just try your best um, so I've got his head saying try your best and then the next year in 2010 his catchphrase was naughty baby body naked so I've got that tattooed on me what yeah, a bit, bit weird. Naughty, you ha- sorry, you have tattooed on you, naughty baby, something naked, body, body naked, body naked. <laughs> yeah, is it? Is this why you were a sort of a prize candidate for tattoo fixers? <laughs> yes, totally. Although when I went on tattoo fixers, they didn't actually fix any of fix any of my shit tattoos. They gave me a new one, the daft cunts. All oh, right. So, so they didn't actually fix anything. No, they gave me a new one. I've got a massive portrait of one of my cricket mates. No, for fuck's sake, man! 
<laughs> I've ruined the premise of the show. <laughs> so you went on that. Uh, no, no, don't fix anything. What the the tuk tuk? No, I want that. The uh, the cunt tattooed on me leg. No, we're keeping that. Can I can I have a portrait of my mate who plays cricket? <laughs> <laughs> well, I lost a bet with him, so I had to get a tattoo of him at some point, and I didn't really want to pay for a portrait, so I just got it done, and it's fine. Oh no, it's well, it's a memory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, just not a good one. Oh, oh right. <laughs> no, I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm joking. It's is, fine. Por- I, I'm totally fine with it. I, so I like you, um, all my tattoos. Obviously, so over there, I'm guessing because you didn't with some of the festivals you played. I'm guessing some of the the memories you got of the festivals over there are maybe slightly more formal. Um, did you play many festivals over here in your in your time in a touring band? Not, not really. No. Um, we didn't play many festivals. We played Rebellion Festival every year, which was like the big punk rock festival. We never quite got onto the punk stage at Reading and Reading and Leeds, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we just weren't really in with the people that got on there. Or maybe there was just other bands who were bigger and better, and that that was fine. Um, but yeah, uh, we nearly we were supposed to, we were booked for Slam Dunk, and then I accidentally put us on at a gig in Leeds like a couple of weeks before, and then we got kicked off. So that, that's a shame because we would have played Slam Dunk and that would have been pretty big. Um, but yeah, not, I don't think we played many festivals here. We played a, f- a few smaller ones in Europe. We drove to Czech Republic a couple of times, played a couple of cool little Czech punk rock festivals there. It was kind of hard because we were kind of like, we didn't fit in at a lot of places because we were too poppy sometimes for like punk rock promoters. And then we were a bit too, bit too punk and loud for like people who wanted something a bit poppier. So I don't know. We didn't. Sometimes we didn't really fit in in anywhere. We just kind of just turned up and were were us. <laughs> well, yeah. I, that, but that's that's such the the last band that um, there were two carnations of the last band I was in. There was a there was a version where Liam and I both sang. We did dual vocals in this sort of hardcore punk band, where mm. Liam provided the sort of um, the softer, and I did more of the shouty. But we were nice. we were too heavy for a, a for a standard punk gig but we were we weren't heavy enough for hardcore shows so we found it so difficult and um Liam ended up uh leaving because he was sort of busy with other things and so it's just left for me to do vocals but even then it was so difficult to get shows um mm. but it, you know nothing ever came of that it was it was that was more for a Thursday night meetup to have a beer to be honest uh you know, some of the songs we did were quite, quite good, but it seems like that's such a, a big things for the, for local bands trying to find your, your sound. Um, and obviously you had this sort of dynamic punk sound. I'm surprised. I could have seen you on a Reading festival stage. I did, I did, I did Reading like 11 times on the bounce. Um, mm. and you definitely would have fitted on, on the, uh, you know, the concrete jungle as it was when I was first going and then the lock-up stage as it became. Because um, Adequate 7, I think, played it and, you know, the likes of Ghost to a Thousand, they 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 certainly championed the sort of smaller UK band. No, they did. It was great. I uh, saw, like, Adequate 7, uh, Captain Everything, Sonic Boom 6. I went to a similar amount of Reddings as you. Like, I started going in 1990... Oh, I think my first Reading was 1998. And then... My last oh, wow. one would have been, yeah, my last one would have been probably about, I'm going to say 2012, I reckon. So I went to quite a few. Who were some of the bands you saw then when you were going? 
Oh my god! I, I, who knows? I can't remember. I think a lot of the time I just went to go and get fucked up with my friends. Really, like going to, going to see the bands by the by. But I remember seeing like Weezer and Blink, and obviously I'd be at the Concrete Jungle, the punk things all day. So I'd go and watch whatever bands were playing at those. Um, oh my god, this, that's a real memory challenge that one. But I remember going and seeing Faith No More, who are amazing in one of the big tents. Um, that must have been at one of their end ones. Uh, last last Reddings I went to. Um, oh, yeah, I I can't remember. I saw lots of bands. If people went, were you at that band watching that band? I'd be like, probably. I just got such an awful memory and it all kind of blurs into one um, after going there for so many years. But I mentioned, like, I'd love to go back to that John now and go to him, look, dickhead, stop getting so fucked up and taking this for granted. You've only got one chance to watch Weezer playing, like, these songs in a field somewhere like and you're lying in a tent with your mouth around a bong with 12 pills up your ass now get up and go and watch some fucking bands (laughs) (laughs) is it yeah yeah it's uh that's an interesting image you've left me with there uh john um (laughs) that's one of the tame images well, the, the, well, no, I'm, I'm. Do you know what? I'm open to hear whatever. You know, um, <laughs> my soiree with anything too illegal was very brief and very safe. It was all very, I don't know. You wouldn't even call it much, really. I was definitely a big drinker, and there was one year where someone came round and was like, "Do you want this?" Oh, I'm selling these five for 20 quid or whatever it was. And it was some pill and a few of us took them. And, but all I wanted to do the, the you know, the next day, I think I lined up a few cans of Pepsi tipped out three quarters of the Pepsi topped up with vodka, n- double dropped these, whatever they were. And I just got really, I don't know. I was just the happiest I've ever been. I'd like, <laughs> I just and I wanted to be. I was. I was just warm. I was all day. I was warm. I. I don't know if the weather was particularly good this day, but I was just in a vest, and I swear I just wanted to take that off. But I, like you, I can't remember any of the bands that day, but I know they were all amazing. Yeah, yeah. I suppose with life as well, it doesn't really matter if you can't remember every experience you had when you were uh, in your teenage years or in your 20s or whatever. As long as you know that you were having a good time and like you, they were your formative years for like learning and developing yourself, even if it was bad behaviours at the time, um, then yeah, not much I can do about it now. All you can do about it either. <laughs> Well, no, 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 and I, I, I often think now I've got two, two boys, and that, that we've got a little drum kit and a and a guitar, and I, I often think, oh, would I want them doing the same things that I did in a local band, and and I'm like, do you know what? As long as they do it, and they're relatively safe and and whatnot, I, I think I'd probably say, yeah, go and do exactly what I did. Although I've got. I haven't really got many regrets from being in like a in the band or going to the festivals. Like it was all just the most amazing times, and I'm quite nostalgic for that. Which is why one of the reasons I still love most of the music I was listening to in in 2000. You know, um, because it just brings me every every sort of 
so many memories of like gigs and little things like that. I've got a Howard's alias tattoo on my leg because the amount of joy I've had seeing that band. Mm. Um, and you know, Matt, the, the front man is sort of doing stuff with guitars and he's just started something with, um, the guy from creeper called Salem. But I want, I think I once drunkenly tried to show Nick Horn, who's now in Sonic Boom six, the tattoo. And, uh, he just looked at me so baffled and I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a Howard's alias tattoo, but it's, you know, I guess it, he must've just been like, so like, Oh my God. Like I, mm. we're just a Southampton based <laughs> ska punk band. No, like, and it was at a Sonic Boom six show that I showed him the tattoo as well, but I don't know what I was expecting to be honest. Have you got many um, band mm. tattoos that you can, that sort of are peppered across your body? Well, first off, Nick, who's in, and uh, Nick Horn is a very, very dry guy. So I think he probably would have been a oh, bit spooned out by you showing showing him the tattoo. And uh, Matt, as well, for Howard's Alias, is a to- total legend. What Matt is like one of the best guitarists like, I've ever fucking seen. He plays like these little jams on like Instagram oh, stories. Yeah. And I'm like, like, it's just unreal how good a guitar player he is. Um, and yeah, he's a really nice guy as well. And weirdly enough, like he was at one of the first park runs I ever did in Southampton. Me and um, uh, a guy called Ben, who used to be like a uh, tour manager for Howard Davis and Sonic Boom 6, both were running at it. And Matt just came along uh, and it was really nice to see him after a park run. But kind of weird because I was like, so used to seeing you like at gigs or playing gigs with you. And now I'm seeing you at a park run at like nine o'clock on a Saturday morning. So it was weird out of context. But in terms of band tattoos, I don't if I, I don't think I've even got any band tattoos. I've got um I've got like the Goodyear blimp um from Dookie, uh, but it says um does it say bad year on it? I don't know. It's kind of blurred into my leg. It says something on it anyway. Yeah, I can't really see. It's kind of just melted into my leg. Um, but no, I don't really have any just kind of straight up band tattoos. I was just into like. I've got, for one year, I only got dog tattoos. One year, I decided only to get pun based shit tattoos. Um, and then a lot of them are just kind of like like travels and stuff like that, experiences and just stupid shit that means stuff to me, really. Maybe I'll get a Howard's Alias one. Well, yeah, they were like, of all the sort of bands I saw, uh, you know, on the same circuit that you guys were in, Howard's were probably by my favourite. I saw them countless amount of times. And when Matt would start something else like Think Pool or Skylar, um, I would go. I would be obsessed with those bands as well. Um, but you're right. He is the most insane guitarist. Some of what he could play in Howard's was mad. If I if I could if I could have one band from the the scene back in the day, like do a reunion show, um, it would be Howard's. Because Liam and I both went. They did a that their comeback tour where um, they got Nick was just on keys, I think, and they had a. Um, I think this is after Pete Miles left. Who you obviously, you know, we can discuss that in a second because obviously you got you you must know Pete quite well because you did most of your albums with him. But they played um, a venue in Southampton called Unit Twenty Two, um, which moved to the docks. Um, in fact, I think you guys played it. We did. Yeah, uh, I, remember I swear that, you yeah. played Unit Twenty Two like at midnight one night. I think Liam and I were there. Um. Because we used to travel up from Bournemouth on a Thursday night. 
Yeah, we remember. I remember playing there. Yeah, a lot of times promoters would put us on like after the gig had uh, finished. That was always a good time for us to play, or sometimes even before the gig had started. <laughs> so uh, it was a popular time to put the <laughs> or, or Mike TV on before or after Doors. Um, yeah, I I think all bands must have. Ha- must have heard that a promoter coming up to them where they've played to no one or five five people and the promoter goes yeah you know what it's really fucking weird like we had xyz band in last week and it was rammed and the month before we had like a million people showing up but i think it oh, i don't know what's happened to you guys tonight i don't know why no one's come along um anyway here's five quid and some crisps <laughs> <laughs> We uh we once <laughs> we once played Plymouth uh at quite a big venue and uh literally it was <laughs> there was like five people there. The promoter didn't even turn up and uh nice, classic. the bar staff were all there. There was it it was it was clearly open, um and the bar staff sort of took pity on us and just gave us lots and lots of alcohol. Um so that was that was a first. Not a, not even having the promoter show up, but they, but for some reason the money to pay the the touring package was there. So I think we got paid. So I don't know why the promoter didn't show up. Um, uh, it was so sometimes weird. Sometimes they don't. Well, I, I've got <laughs> we <laughs> we've got a fucking stupid story around that. Um, we were going to Finland to play with a Finnish band, I think who we met in China actually, and we booked to go and play like this wicked venue in Helsinki and it was going to be rammed and they were really big at the time in Finland um, and literally five days before the gig, we got a message saying, oh, the drummer's broken her foot so they can't play. We are like, oh, bollocks, what should we do? And they were like, well, you can, the guy putting it on was like, you can still come out and play if you want. And we are like, well, I'll try and get transfer the flights couldn't transfer any of the flights so we were like oh fuck it we'll go out to finland so we ended up going out there and playing like this massive venue like which has normally got thousands of people in we played it to probably about 10 12 local finnish people who all just got drunk and we played every song we could had a great time and then we all went we took everyone who was out in the crowd we went out to uh, all these bars in helsinki and just got hammered <laughs> So it turned out to be a positive experience, but it was, it was a long way to go just to get drunk and play your set to 10 people. So the, that was the only gig that was booked? It wasn't part of a tour? It was just you flew out to Finland, played a show? Yeah, yeah we did stupid shit. That's what, happens when, <laughs> that's what happens when you put me in charge of everything. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, fuck it, we'll just do it. Because like, it's, it's a risk. Something not good might happen from it. And like, yeah. We yeah yeah we lost a lot of money on that, but I mean, what could we do? Do you know what I mean? She broke her foot five days before. Like, the show must go on. You you say that you lost a lot of money on it. That story you've just told years later on a podcast. So you know you're still yeah. reaping the rewards of that experience, aren't you? Yeah, and we made lots of lovely Finnish friends. It was great. I'll just say that I also remember throwing up black sick all over some toilet in uh, Finland after they made me drink Fisherman's Friends shops, shots called Fishu or something. Absolutely fucking minging. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy the sort of being on tour? Because, you know, just in context, I enjoyed... I, I, obviously, I, the longest one we went on was six, 16 date, dates, I think. 
um, as mm. tour support on this tour, um, where we borrowed the backline. All we had to bring was, you know, the, the classic um, stuff, really. And I enjoyed every minute. I could do the, the van life. I could do the, the pre-gig bit, the walking around, finding somewhere cheap for food. I loved the gig. I loved the after bit. I liked the drinking. I liked the mingling and where, you know, I could even do the sleeping either in the van, on someone's shitty floor, waking up ill because you've caught something off some carpet. I, I just did. I loved it all. How, how was it for you, you know? Yeah, I mean, I loved going on tour. For me, it was such like a liberating and freeing experience. And compared to the situation we're in now where I've spent three months lying on a fucking yoga mat with two Spaniels watching every shit film going on Netflix... I, I miss that freedom of like driving around the country in a, a red Vauxhall Nova and playing to 12 people in Barnsley. I, I, it was a great experience and it, it, it's made me, it made me who I, who I am today, which is whoever I am today, John Cosgrove. Hi everyone. Um, so yeah, I love going on tour. I love going to new places. I love showing off. I loved meeting new people. I love traveling. And from like quite a childhood where I didn't do that much traveling or anything like that. And I knew that I liked getting out and doing stuff. It was a really liber- liberating and freeing experience. Um, and made loads of friends out of it as well, who I still am friends with now. Have you got any favorite venues that you guys visited? Um, venue wise, oh, I mean, I think I'd have to talk about more city wise. I mean, I fucking always loved going to Newcastle. I mean, it was always so far away. But we always had such a lovely time there. We used to stay with a family called the Dixon family, who basically ended up, we were the first band ever to stay there. But then since then, they still put up touring bands now. So they've got a big house in Newcastle and they're very kind and they just let any touring band turn up and just uh, they stay up and have a few beers and pizza with them. And it's amazing. So I think Newcastle was always a good show. There was always people there that wanted to see us. I always enjoyed going to Glasgow because um, people there were rowdy as fuck and just great fun. Just really liked it there. Uh, I liked going to Leeds. I loved playing at the Camden Underworld. thought Camden was always awesome. Uh, Brighton was always really good. Um, yeah. Wedgwood Rooms in Portsmouth. Boiler Room in Guildford. Uh... You're just listing every every sort of venue now, John. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm just... Well, this is getting... It's getting making me think about all the nice times I had being in with a band. It was great. Well, yeah, we, um, we've done, we did boiler room. That was a, a cool venue. Uh, and funny enough, it was, it was sort of discussed that a runner, um, Matt Buck, I don't know if you recognize his name. Um, I know Matt. Yeah. he was putting on a lot of the gigs that he was putting on a lot of the gigs back then. Um, it's, it's quite funny. This whole Instagram's sort of running punk, sort of fraternity that's developed is sort of all these people come out of the woodwork and after a few conversations because i'm quite good friends with matt i'm i've been chatting yeah. to him for a few years um it's just so funny he's like weren't you in that band and i was like yeah he was like yeah i, I put on that gig and i was like all oh, right i was like we should probably chat more um but yeah i because I, I love the i love the running scene and i love the punk scene and and like you say you sort of you meet you meet people and you develop friendships with people like you and I, like I, we only, you know, I'd never spoke to you when I was, you know, as a, watching you as a fan, you know, as of a fan of pickle Dick and Mike TV, you know, in the crowd singing battle axe, you know, and 
I I, 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 I've got this mad memory. I can remember the original. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say what I think I can remember. And you tell me if I'm caught, if I'm talking shit, did you on your, maybe MySpace page or something, when that um, ship ahoy video was done, did you, did you put a call out to say, we need people? What for the ship ahoy video? Yeah, did you actually, did you say, look, we're filming on this date? Because I've got this weird memory of a post on something that said, we're looking for people to come and be, wear a pirate's outfit. Or have I made that up? Um, this is a no, genuine memory. I think I think you'd be quite correct there. We made a music video for Ship Ahoy probably in about 2005, and it's still on YouTube now. And yeah, we just shot it in the local pub in yeah. Lipbook. Um Yes, so we probably did. I probably did put something out to try and get people along, and we did. We got a whole bunch of people dressed up as pirates in the pub, which was uh, pretty funny. Well, yeah, your your videos were always so creative. Like, there's there's one <laughs> where somehow you've managed to blag yourselves. Well, not blag. The whole video is filmed there. It's not like you've just ransacked the place like like Rage Against the Machine or something. Um, it was blagged. <laughs> you're in a courtroom. How the how the how the hell have you ended up in a courtroom? <laughs> We were really lucky. Like, um, there was a couple of guys who we knew from, like, Stoke Way. I think they're from Stoke or Birmingham Way or something like that. And they just started making, um, they just started their own kind of production company and wanted to do a music video. And they, were, I think they already liked our band, or at least they didn't hate us. And they were like, oh, we'll make a music video. And we wanted to make it for a track called Lilo Lilo. And they managed to fucking hire out, they hired out a courtroom. Um, I think it was in Stoke or Stafford or somewhere like that. And we, we got all, lo- we filled up with loads of people we knew. Um, and we also rented out, um, we hired out an old police station in Salford that was disused. So we got like prison cells and like the front desk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did, they went, to, yeah, we were really lucky with like um, meeting people who liked our band and could see that we were fucking idiots and would probably do anything for a music video. So yeah, that Lilo Lilo video was really fun to make. The Ship Ahoy video was obviously like a really silly one. And then um, I've got a mate who's actually one of my vegan runner mates, Ian. Um, he was he was uh, a Mike TV groupie back in the day. I hope he listens to this because, uh, yeah, that will annoy him. Um, and he very kindly, uh, drunkenly came up to me at the boiler room sometime and said, oh, man, I made that video. So I said, all right, I'll hold you to that. And uh, he did. He made our myoclonic jerk music video, and yeah, it was really good. He worked for a company, and they had like a, they had like a. Luckily, on the day we were recording the music video, they had like one of those massive kind of like TV screens in their studios because the next day it was going to be used for um, uh, showing uh, Game of Thrones in some square in London, I think, like some HBO premiere or some shit. So we were very, very lucky that the stars aligned and we got to use that for a music video. If you had to do it all again, is there anything that you would do differently? You know, cause have you guys officially as Mike TV called it a day? Cause I can't, you know, I don't think you've ever put a post out to say we're done and you, it's, you're sort of just inactive at the moment. I hate, I sort of hate the term indefinite hiatus cause it's just yeah. like, just don't say it. Don't, don't say anything at all. You know, and just yeah. if you want to come back, just come back. Yeah, we never really kind of we our last show was 2015 where we went on tour with Friends of Rum, who are my favourite. Like other than the Wild Hearts, they're like oh, my yeah. favourite band. I just the Australian punk rock band. I fucking love them. My dog's called Friends. All 
we got to play those shows and our last show was with with them at the underworld in camden and then after that um yeah dom dom's mental health wasn't great has never been really that good and um he he i'll just be honest he might he won't mind me saying like he goes through stages of like where he'll work for a few months and then he'll have time off work where he's just like getting drunk and just not going to work for a period of time and he's always had that kind of issue so that he it got worse and it's kind of worse now i think um i hope he's okay but i don't really know uh, i feel it's kind of hard because I've had my own personal issues over the last few months. My mum died in October and stuff, and I'd love to spend more time like seeing Dom and stuff. But I, I just feel that like, yeah, I think I don't know whether it's gone gone too far now or something like that. But we did actually play an acoustic gig last summer or the summer before last. I'm going to say or the start of last year might have been the summer before last we just played we went and we rocked up at this open mic thing and just played like a couple of pickled dick tracks and even though Dom was really nervous and anxious he's such a great musician that he just smashed them out and yeah it was really good fun I miss I miss playing music with Dom I miss hanging out with him because he was like my best mate um but I don't I don't know I think that he'd need to he yeah I I don't really know what to say on that I just hope he gets better and get some help that he actually needs one day so I think in relation to your question I would the thing that I'd change would be I'd love to go back in time to me and Dom back in like 10 years ago and go look dickheads go and sort your fucking mental health out both of you okay mental health probably wasn't even a big thing 10 years ago both need to go and talk to someone John you're passive obsessive uh, passive aggressive obsessive control freak with the band let it go chill the fuck out a bit more it's all okay it doesn't matter if you play a gig and you sing out of tune no one gives a fuck you silly cunt dom stop drinking so much and like go and sort out your mental health and then the, the other boys were good, just good lads really they we all had our issues and stuff but i just wish i just wish i was the person i am now back in those days because i was my i'm just like do you know what I mean? I know it sounds quite deep and maybe not very punk rock, but I don't really give a fuck. I just feel no, like no, no. Really, it, it, it's it, it. I feel it'd be really nice to have those, do those experiences again, or play music in the future. But being the person who I am now, if that makes sense. And obviously, you know, firstly, I was really sorry to hear about your your mum passing. Um, it's 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 not easy, and obviously, what you've. Your, the way you you talk about things now on Instagram mm. and on your Facebook and stuff is you've developed this honesty, which is so, you know, it's so passionate and so you know I admire you for it. Like when when your mum passed and you 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 know you didn't you don't you're not someone who shies away from anything and you 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 know you you did that amazing charity event for her and raised a fuck ton of money um mm. and it's just like and i know that fr- friends or rom sent you some money so oh, clearly like they, <laughs> yeah. you know you, you 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 know your voice seems to spread you know and it's it's you know and hearing about dom you know like it's it's really upsetting and stuff because i feel like everyone deals with stuff and I feel with mental health and not to get too deep like you were, but one person's mental health problem isn't the same as someone else's. And I feel that people are so quick to judge and, and people are so quick to sort of, well, then, well, 
that's nothing. They should get over it. And it's like, well, that one person's being able to get over something is is someone else's like rocks bundling them down on them and like everything closing in. And it's it's so it's really difficult to try and you know spread positive advice, but because unfortunately some people tend to not want to, you know, you it's just not easy if you're suffering with something. It's you know. Only you can deal with it. But you've become like this voice and the comments you get. Is that something that you've – do you feel any pressure with that? Where When people are well, – you do a post that's very personal to you and then people – I've done it myself. I think I've messaged you a couple of times. Like, you know, before Christmas I lost my um, – my granddad had a stroke and he didn't make it. And then the week later I lost my dog. And I know you're big uh, with your – with your dog friends all but i think i even messaged you and said look the post you've just sent means a lot to me um thanks for your honesty here's what's happening with me and you you were straight away replying is this uh, have you ever considered maybe a career in like maybe motivational speaking or something along those lines or like um not 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 a psychiatrist because that's totally different but you know as a life coach have you considered anything like that Oh, thanks, Ed. The, like all the stuff you said there is really kind and nice, and like I really appreciate that. And yeah, I suppose like what you're init- initially touching on in terms of like um, writing stuff on the internet, I just found that like in the past, I'd just be writing stuff, not like you know how everyone just writes stuff on the internet, and it's not we're kind of trying to put out a version of ourselves that might not really actually be the true version of ourselves, maybe the version that we'd like the world to see. Do you know what I mean? And over the last couple of years, I've just been like, I just really want to share exactly who I am um, and warts and all, mental health, everything, and try and like break down a bit of the stigma behind mental health. Because, yeah, as as you said, everyone's mental health is different. Everyone reacts to stuff differently. Everyone deals with stuff, stuff differently. And, like for me, mental health is not even like a bad thing. Do you know what I mean? Like we have physical health, we have mental health. Um, and yeah, we just need to be able to talk about mental health without there being like a, a stigma around it so much. Um, so yeah, thank you for being so kind about my Instagram posts. And it helps me to get stuff out of my head and how I'm feeling and share it with uh, people on the internet yeah. and stuff like that. I think that's a really good positive way for me to get stuff out and then yeah I have had loads of people message me and I'm happy to talk to people about stuff or signposting towards stuff um I've I've literally not literally um I have just done a counseling qualification so I've done the first three levels of counseling to train as a counselor and I did I finished oh wow I finished, yeah I did the first three levels so I finished that in June and I've just applied to go back because I was supposed to go back to do level four, which is a two-year course in September, but obviously my mum got ill and then died, so I obviously wasn't in a, I wasn't, wouldn't have been emotionally available to talk, like do anything like that. I would have just pissed out my eyes the whole time, um, which is fine, but not if yeah. you're trying to listen to someone. Um, <laughs> so I'm going back. Hopefully, I've applied for September, so fingers crossed. I get on the course. Um, if not, I'll become a postman or something. My, well, no, I, on, I honestly think you'll you'll i think you'll go the distance with it i thought i think um everything you you've you've put on your instagram especially um like i like i was saying it's i think i think it's something that you will do really well at um and i know it's off topic with music wise but it's it's nice to sort of 
you know, take tangents in conversations and stuff. And you are one of those guys who you can take a tangent with and sort of end up talking about something totally different. But I, I think I, I see you in that position. I can only see you sort of being a champion of that because, you know, I know the, the like you're talking about the running punk stuff and you're now an ambassador for them and just anything. And like, it's what I find so endearing about music. Like, have you got... I find that, for instance, right, I'm a big Smiths fan, and for me, I can listen to them in any mood. I think a lot of people stay, oh, you know, if I'm feeling a bit down, I'll put the Smiths on. Whereas for me, they're a, they're a pop band almost, and some of the melodies and Morrissey's lyrical sort of um, uh, it, uh, subjects and stuff they they're not they're not down to me. They're like. They're, they're just happy. It's just happy music t- to me, but I can listen to them in any mood. Have you got any, say you're having a down day, have you got any sort of bands you would, you would go to any albums that are your go-to bands mm-hmm. that, you know, you put on an album, you know, not just you, but it could be an album that you want to recommend that sort of like a good, this is an album you need to hear because it will lift your spirits type stuff just to try and get it onto a music sort of related topic. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that's a good, really good question, Ed. Um, I suppose uh, for me, um, I mean, Earth vs. Wild Hearts is like one of my favourite albums ever. So I'd, I'd always go and listen to that because it reminds me of being 12, 13, that kind of just youthful version of John Cosgrove. Uh, Smoko um, at the Pet Food Factory by Friends of Rum, just the best fast punk rock album ever. Um I really like, like, if I'm in a bad mood or I don't feel great, I just, I love singing along to stuff because singing, I, I think they've proven that singing just makes you feel just better, just releases probably some sort of serotonin or endorphins. Um, so, yeah, Hello Rock View by Lesson Jake. That's a really good one to fucking belt out some, do nice. some singing to. Blue Album by Weezer. Um, the first Silver Sun album, um, which is not very punk rock, but it's, they're really poppy bands. Oh, yeah. Fucking love that first Silver Sun album. It is absolutely banging. Um, We've got a bit of a thing on the podcast that we have to mention um, Lesson Jake in every episode. So thank God you managed to shoehorn in Hello Rock View <laughs> because there'll be people there'll be people listening with a shot glass and a bottle of tequila next to it who haven't yet done a shot. Um, oh, okay. So thank God you've mentioned it because they can. It's it's become a bit of a. Every episode, we somehow managed to 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 mention them. But as you was as you were you were just about to drop another album, so carry on. But I just if if you are listening, feel free to do the shot. You've had your mention of Lesson Jake. <laughs> Lesson Jake again. Have another shot. Lesson Jake again. Have another shot. Lesson Jake again. Have another shot. Um, maybe the Bracket Live album. Um, <laughs> something something by No Effects. So long, so long, and thanks for all the shoes by No Effects. Um, Oh god. The best um, album. Yeah, it is the best NoFX album. Um do you know one band I always put like if I'm feeling kind of uh anxious or stressed about anything, there's two bands that I'd probably put on who aren't punk rock that just kind of chill me out. And they are Steely Dan, proper fucking old man rock, just amazing. They're just absolutely beautiful. Uh love a bit of Steely Dan I do. Um and I would also put Fleet Foxes on. Because Fleet Foxes are just like, like, 
Valium for the ears. Do you know what I mean? It's just anytime I'm feeling anxious or stressed or like I have to concentrate on something, I just put Fleet Foxes on and they just calm everything down. So that was John. Yeah. Hope everyone enjoyed it. Oh, very good. Thank you, um, John, for your time and thank you, Ed, for uh, talking to John. Yeah, why did we have to listen to it in between recording the intro and the outro, though? (laughs) Because we've just been sat in silence for two hours. (laughs) It wasn't quite that long. No, I know. Um, Um, But you did go into lots of detail and, uh, as we said, uh, alluded to at the beginning, uh, there was some bits where it it got a bit more... um, uh, deeper than, than, than I thought it was yeah, going emotional. to. Yeah, emotional. Um, yeah, uh, particularly around um, John's bandmate Dom, who obviously we know as well from from the band, not personally as well, but um, yeah, the fastest quite... thumb in the whole of punk rock, I think. Is that, you know? Was that his uh, catchphrase? Oh, I think or if his, it wasn't, uh, he can adopt it because oh, okay. he played he played the bass yeah. with his thumb, Dom thumb, um, right. and just yeah, and Never I think if you're if you were going to local gigs, which I'm sure most of the people listening to this podcast, especially the ones that have stayed with us, mm-hmm. Pickle Dick or Mike TV would have been a band that would have played in your town. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Many, many times. We saw them times where we'd gone to see them, but also so many times as supports. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea that this running band might come that about is, that is, is interesting. Um, I, I, I didn't mention it at the time, but I messaged him. He was looking for members. And I said, I'm happy to sing. And then as I set, pressed send, I was like, he's clearly going to be the singer. Yeah. <laughs> and, I have, and I had this awkward moment of like, ah, I'm literally just waiting for John to message me back and say, all right, mate, I sort of thought I'd be singing which is exactly the message I got <laughs> he was you lovely were. about it but I didn't bring it up in the interview because I didn't want to remind him of how embarrassed I felt when I was like yes clearly he'll be singing in the band that he's starting you can borrow my synth if you want I, uh, nah <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he's all queued up but it'd be cool to see him playing live again um, John I think that'd be cool and you know if um if him and Dom get back together, it'd be cool to see some Mike TV shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that would be a, an interesting thing. Yeah, I think that was one thing that, you know, we came away just, you know, hoping that uh, Dom is well. And obviously it sounds like it, it might be a long term issue that he's dealing with. But uh, yeah, hope you're well if you're listening, Dom. Yeah. Um, but, you know, thanks again for your time, John. And obviously we I've already touched base with him since. And yeah, there, there will be a part two at some point when we can go and sit in his garden, maybe. Um and have a chat. I said you might have to stick around because I said if I come up, I'll have to go for a run with him uh, once I'm injury free. But yeah, it'd be nice. To, it'd be nice to get a part two. What will I do whilst you're running? Cycle. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, I could bring my bike. Anyway, lovely. Okay, so where oh, we'll we'll put in the. Um, the show notes where you can find John. Uh, but if you want to find us, we are at Two Track Mind Pod and Two Track Mind Edward, yourself? Um, at Run with Ed, uh, or yeah. That'll do. And <laughs> I'm Liam Toms and LiamToms.com. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll say goodbye for now. Bye.